From a former bully to someone who's been bullied, Neil and I both share our experiences with bullying in today's podcast. We learn about why Neil was a bully as a kid and what he's done to try to make it right. We also share tips from professionals on how to help your child to not be a bully and what to do if they are being bullied. Finally, I share a personal story of when I was bullied in middle school and how that's affected me and what I've tried to do to make that a learning experience. So you may or may not know this, but Mint Arrow actually started out as a deal blog, and that's still what we do today as our full-time job, Monday through Friday, we find the very best deals and bring them to you. And I've got a full team that helps me find the best deals on the internet, and we have a full list of today's top trending deals, and we also curate really great gift guides, and we find like really hard to find deals on things that you might absolutely love that you feel like you can't pay full price for. That's where we come in. So if this sounds exciting to you, I want you to text 949-506-2558, text the word DEALS to 949-506-2558. And I'm gonna send you the very best deals going on right now, today. And that'll hit your text inbox in just a second. And then I also will text you only when there are the very, very best deals out there that I would text my mom or my sister or one of my best friends, okay? So this bestie group text is just for people who want to find out about the very best deals right when they happen. I'll text you first so that they don't sell out. And people on my bestie texting group love it because they find out before anyone else does. So if there's a color or a size that you really want, you're going to get first dips on those very best deals. Another thing that we do that is so fun for me, it's one of my very favorite things during holiday season is putting together gift guides. So if you're looking for the perfect gift for a man in your life or for kids or tweens or teens, or maybe you don't even know what to ask for for yourself for Christmas this year. If you want, I can text you our master list of gift guides if you just text the word gifts to 949-506-2558. Just text the word gifts and I will send you our master list of gift guides and keep you in the know on all of these best deals. So one more time, you can either text deals or you can text gifts to 949-506-2558. Hello. I'm here with my favorite person, and we're going to talk about a subject that he is somewhat of an expert on. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately. But I think it's it's going to provide a great, um, I think you'll do a great service to share your experience. So today we're going to talk about bullying, and Neil's got some experience because... I've been on both sides of the coin, mm -hmm. um, admittedly, and this is something that I'm just absolutely not proud of in any way, shape, or form. Um, I've been a bully, and I've also been on the flip side of it where I've been bullied. Um, and so seeing it from different perspectives is interesting. And so, um, yeah, I, I just thought it would, would be a, an important topic to address and talk more about. And I've wanted to talk about this for a long time, too. I think there's... I have questions, lots of questions. I've asked Neil lots of questions over the years because I, I'm sure that I, I mean, everyone has their moments that they look back on and regret from going to school or growing up or whatever. And I know that there were times that I should have been kinder, but it was never in my nature to bully someone. So it is hard for me to understand like where that comes from or what the motivation is there. So I think we're going to break some of those things down today and talk about, 
you know, how to deal with those things and how to help your kids to understand and what to do and how we can be better. So let's just start off with um, some of your earliest experiences, Neil. Yes. So again, this is something, and for me, like I always relate it back to the 12 steps. Um, And so how do the 12 steps apply to bullying? So, well, for me directly is in my step. So there's a step four where you basically do an inventory of Mm -hmm. um, your wrongs, the wrongs that you've committed against others, um, you know, things that you've done, what what are the exact nature of your wrongs? And so this really wasn't a topic that I revisited until later in my life, until after I, you know, fell, really struggled with an addiction and then got into a recovery program, an outpatient program. And then they started talking a lot about this concept of core beliefs. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically the idea of why you believe what you believe about yourself and the world around you. So how, how, you know, where did those beliefs come from? And most of them come from when you're a kid or, you know, you go through different experiences that shape your beliefs on how you feel about yourself and the world around you. And the problems arise when you have these faulty core beliefs yep, or core beliefs that are false, um, that cause problems and le- later can lead to different, you know, depression or different issues or addiction or malady, like they can show up later in your life and cause problems. And a lot of times um, at the root or the cause and condition of some of these issues or many of them is faulty core beliefs or these ideas that you hold about yourself. So long story short on that is as I started learning about these core beliefs and what shaped my own faulty core beliefs, I started to think about how those experiences affected me, negative, like traumatic experiences or um, negative experiences I had in relationships or with other people. And then, and then I started thinking about like, oh my gosh, like think of all the people where I've been kind of the culprit to create a faulty core belief for them. And in understanding this concept, I'm like, I can't believe like, I did so much damage and I'm sure of it. I'm sure that there are people now that are adults that I was rude to, or I bullied, or I did things that, you know, really shaped a negative experience for them that they will remember. And they still remember to this day. And if they were in my recovery group talking now, they would probably cite it and be like, yeah, this traumatic experience happened when I was younger, this kid bullied me and this was the negative event. And I still remember it. And to this day, I still feel a certain way because of what happened. Okay. But let's just pause there because as much as you're carrying that guilt and we can talk about what to do with that at the same time, you can't put everyone in a bubble and like no one will have experiences where they're able to grow and to progress unless they live in an unfair world where there are all kinds of unfair influences around them. And when we send our kids off to school, we do that knowing that they're going to have those experiences. They're going to have people treat them unkindly and they're going to have to learn from that. And I had experiences like that. We could talk about that in a minute, but, um, So what do you do about that? What do you do about knowing that you may have caused some trauma to someone? How do you make that right? Totally. Um, So, well, and I, again, relating it back to step nine is the step where you, you know, after doing the first eight steps, you kind of go through and clean house and, and, you know, work this spiritual program. But then in step nine, you kind of prepare yourself to make a direct 
amends with mm-hmm. someone where possible. And then if there's not an, uh, you know, have the ability, someone's dead or you, you know, you can't get in touch with somebody or whatever it is, then you make an indirect amends and there's different ways to do that. So in a way, um, this, my hope is in part of doing this podcast is to make an indirect amends, um, because there were a lot of people that I was unkind to in elementary school, which sounds so dumb. Like everyone's like, well, you're in elementary school. Like everyone's like kind of not very nice to each other, but, um, this still haunts me. I will be honest. And, and I think I did have a really cool experience in this. There was a gal that I wasn't very kind to in elementary school in fourth grade. And, um, it's somebody that I've stayed in touch with actually, or kind of has been up around my, um, I don't know, whenever there's like a high school reunion or, you know, every now and again, we'll cross paths. But I had an opportunity at a funeral to come face to face with her. And just after going through this whole experience of uncovering, like really digging in deep with myself and trying to understand more about my own core beliefs and understanding this concept of like, man, I really probably negatively impacted a lot of people. I thought of this person and I knew I was going to see her. And so I had an opportunity and she's super, super nice, just really amazing person. And and one of the first things I saw her, I'm like, Hey, how are you? You know, she was super nice. And I just said, Hey, you know what? This might sound a little weird and, and, but, but you know, whatever I, you know, I did a lot of things and was unkind to you. I said a lot of things that were really, really brutal. And I just want you to know that I'm sorry. And, and I hope that, you know, at some point you can forgive me those things. And she, you know, in the moment totally played it off. She's like, Oh my gosh, that was so long ago. Like we were just kids. Don't even worry about it. Like, you know, it's not even a big deal. I'm like, you know, I know, but in my mind, I'm like, I know it's a big deal, you know? And so a few weeks passed and she talked, reached out to Corinne on her Facebook Mm -hmm. private message and just said, Hey, you know, just if you wouldn't mind relaying this message to Neil, like that really meant so much to me that he said that. And she's like, I really felt like it was kind of an an apology for everyone or anyone who, you know, had, had impacted me negatively or said negative things about me or bullied me in any way, shape or form. Like it was very healing. And it was such a, a healing experience for me to be able to, to do that, to provide like a direct amends. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that was powerful. It was a really powerful experience. And that was one person. And unfortunately I just, I was rude to a lot of people in elementary school. And, um, I'm like, man, I just, I'm sure that there are people that I don't even realize that I, you know, negatively impacted. So how did it make you feel after you, you know, offered that amends? What did that do for you? It was such a powerful healing experience and definitely felt a lot of love, like increase. I always, I, I already like after, getting older and experiencing life and understanding more about God and his plan for us and these spiritual concepts. I, you know, my perspective obviously changed from when I was kind of just a punk kid in, in elementary school, but it was a very, it was a really healing experience for me. Um, and, and really powerful for me. And, and I think that it was a, I don't know, there's something awesome about that. And, and people who are in a 12 step program will talk really, powerfully about experiences they have in step nine and how healing that can be. Not every time, but it can be really powerful. Yeah. So let's go into the maybe psychology or what you understand about why you felt like, you know, what, I mean, 
I don't think any little kid wakes up and says, I'm going to be a bully today. But what was going on inside of you, where that came from, why that was something that you kind of naturally had an inclination toward in that time of your life? Yeah, absolutely. And I think if understanding this now and, and understanding the why at this point in my life and then looking back, it's just like, man, that's so, it's so sad to see that, um, to see why and really what's underneath that. And really, I think I looked up and I, I just kind of was doing a little bit of research and I came across this article. This was in Psychology Today. This guy's uh, name is, he's a PhD, Michael Friedman. Um, and this was a, an article in Psychology Today, but it talked about basically why bullies are bullies. One of the things that really stood out to me that that he talked about in this article is he says, um, research demonstrates that rather than being shunned, bullies are in some cases embraced and their behavior reinforced. Bullies can actually be very popular among their peers. One study that examined nearly 2,000 students at 11 middle schools in Los Angeles conducted surveys in the 7th and 8th grade. The kids were ranked which of their peers were coolest, which ones start fights or push or other kids around, and which ones spread nasty rumors about other kids. And so, like, this is what the peers were saying. Like, these are the cool kids. Mm -hmm. The cool kids are the ones that are spreading nasty rumors, that are starting fights with kids around them, that are being physical. Yeah, I remember that. The cool kid, the quote-unquote cool kids in junior high and high school oftentimes were the kids who were kind of like more aggressive yeah yeah and that's what it says it says coolness and aggression were highly linked mm-hmm. boys enjoyed the highest social standing among classmates were whereas victims were socially marginalized this trend unfortunately continues as we got as we get older this was super interesting as well um, a recent study found that workplace bullies often have positive job evaluations and are considered highly skilled in work politics Thus, rather than bullies being socially unskilled outcasts, some bullies might actually be helping people ascend the social ladder, which is, you know, it's just kind of crazy. And that's a whole other topic I could speak to. But basically, okay, so how does this, yeah, how does it concept, relate to you? Yeah, so how it relates to me is at, at the core of it was acceptance. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted so bad to be accepted and be considered like cool, quote unquote, yeah. That it was like, I would do whatever to to get that validation from others or to be seen as like the cool kid or the tough kid. And that's kind of what I associated as being quote unquote cool was like, you're tough, you're dominant, you're feared and respected. Like, and I'm, and I'm sure I just got that from just a, a negative, um, you know, negative things or that are around me or society or whatever, somewhere I developed that. And that's what I thought. And so it inspired a lot of negative actions. And it really at the core of that was like somebody I just wanted to be seen as like a valid individual. I just wanted validation. And which is really, I don't know, for me, I'm like, man, that's really sad when I stop and think about it. I just wanted to be seen in a certain way. Yeah. So what do you think if I'm just trying to think of, you know, how if you could talk to your younger self, what do you think may have made a difference if someone could have talked to you at that time of your life totally, and influenced you to maybe think of it differently or choose a different path? Yeah. Um, and there was another, I mean, there's actually another article that talks a little bit about bullying. While Uh, you pull that up, I'm just going to share that. I totally remember in elementary and in junior high for sure 
the cool kids oftentimes too. When I say cool kids, like the kids that seem to have the most popularity, that were the most, you know, I mean, everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say that. They're kind of the ones that got a lot of attention that everybody was aware of and that seemed to, you know, be the kids that everybody kind of wanted to be in with or look like they were friends with or whatever. They did tend to be kids that were typically not super nice to everyone at least. And then something changed. And of course my mom in all her wisdom totally predicted this. She, I remember her telling me, Corinne, when you get to be about in high school, it, things will change. And the kids who are nice to everyone will be the cool kids. And it's so true. Like I, I'm not going to call out names of kids who I remember not being nice, but I specifically remember by the time we got into high school, the kids that were student body officers and who gained real true popularity where everyone felt drawn to them were the kids who were just super nice to everyone. And in fact, I remember my friend Colin Kelly, who I asked to Christmas dance a year in advance because he just kept we were good friends and I kept trying to get him to go to a dance with me. And every time I asked him, he had already been asked. So. I, I, true I, planner. This yes. is still to this day, you Our will plan junior things year, I said, Colin, when I asked him right after the Halloween dance, because Christmas dance was a girl's choice, I said, Will you go with me to Christmas dance? He was like, I've already been asked. And I was like, Are you kidding me? And I said, Okay, fine. Senior year, you have to go with me to the girl's choice Christmas dance. He was like, Are you kidding me? So I set this like school record for asking someone in advance, <laughs> like the, the furthest in advance anyone had ever asked farthest. Sorry. So, um, but he just, he was so popular because he was so kind, so nice to everyone. Um, Jeff Dickmore is another kid that I think of who is a year older than me, who just had that reputation of just being a genuinely super kind person that everyone felt drawn to like a magnet. So I think as you get older, that type of popularity grows because people mature. They see that it is cool to be kind to others. But I think in our immaturity and, you know, kids, when they're just trying to figure out where they fit in and who they are, I think they, they feel more drawn to like, oh, this kid gets attention because he's kind of loud and pushes or she, you know, pushes people around, kind of seems to have confidence and so that can tend to look like more popularity, but that there's a shift and it seems to change in high school. At least it did for me. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking to like, you know, kind of what, you know, what I would have said to myself. So there was a, another article that I found. This was from a uh, BYU psychologist um, at BYU, Jonathan Cox. So he talks a little bit about this um, and we'll link to all this stuff in the show notes, but he says, as far as like, if he's speaking to parents and basically says, if one of your children is a bully, you know, here's, here's something that you can do. He says, um, one helpful way to prevent bullying behavior is to teach your children to love other people. Even when those people seem different, Elder Dallin H. Oaks of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles stated, we should be persons of goodwill toward all, rejecting persecution of any kind, including persecution based on race, ethnicity, religious belief, or non-belief, and different kinds and differences in sexual orientation. So, um, you know, and he, go, he goes on to talk about, you know, avoid saying mean things or acting in an aggressive or exclusionary way. So I think that concept of what would I say to myself is that the worth of souls is great in mm -hmm. the sight of God. And I, I, I think that, 
there are so many hierarchies that are man-made that we create these classes or we create these social structures where there's like, it's, it's a pyramid, you know, and everyone's battling to, to be on top, so to speak. And I think that so much of that, and if not, if not all of it is, is man-made. Um, when we look at the eternal perspective, we're all children of God right. and we're all here trying to better ourselves to become more like God through the atonement of Jesus Christ and understanding. And, and you know, I, I don't think I would have grasped 100 percent some of those those concepts and was developing those concepts. But the basic concept of like we're all children of God, we're all the same in that way mm-hmm. and in. You know, there's instead of creating these differences and focusing on these differences and focusing on so much on comparison. Totally. You know, so. Well, and let's also pause to make note that I think sometimes as adults, we may not realize that we're doing that in front of our children and how much we need to strive to not do that because our kids hear us. And if we're doing things in our homes and what we think is the privacy of our homes within our own walls of criticizing other people or, you know, putting people into a certain class or even just saying like, oh, so-and-so or these types of neighbors or these people or whatever do these things, that's going to rub off on our kids thinking that it's okay to think of certain people a certain way or classify certain people. I mean, we have been around other adults. Neil and I have talked about this where we're uncomfortable because of the way that adults are talking about other groups of people or other types of people. And, I think that sometimes people don't realize that their kids really are listening to their attitudes. Even if you're not calling out someone by name or you think you're not bullying, a lot of times I think that just the attitudes in general that you may have toward other people or the way people do certain things, it is infectious. Like your kids are going to pick up on those things and have those same types of attitudes. And I think we have to be super careful what's happening within the walls of our homes and how that's going to affect our children when they walk out the door of our home and go into the world and go to school. They're around other peers and the way that they treat other people because that's what they've observed at home. Yeah. So much of this is, I think, like a learned behavior and and where you can develop these beliefs, these core beliefs about one about yourself and then about the world around you and and this these concepts and ideas that I need to. And and it's interesting being in a, you know, recovery from an addiction and being surrounded by a lot of people who are working through the process of recovering from an addiction so much of addiction and so many of these these issues stem from seeking validation. Yes. Like we just want to be validated. I just want to be a good person. I want to be um, respected. I want to be loved by others. I want to be, you know, an authority on something or or have some validity as a human being. Yep. And so we seek for these like you know, that validation through other worldly sources, whether that's like materialistic or like a job or, um, some title or whatever, what have you. And, and that is the cause and condition oftentimes of a lot of grief or challenge in our life. You're laughing. Whatever, at me. what have you. <laughs> you know, I, I've been dropping these like phrases. That. Corinne just loves them. <laughs> She's like super formal. No, no, no. I like it.
think about what we could teach our children and and I love what you said a second ago too about um, pride and about you know separating classes and I feel like we see that in the scriptures that it seems like people will get humble they'll need God they you know, feel like I'll do anything to have X, Y, Z, my problem solved or my, or peace in my life or whatever it is. And then when God gives them the blessings they're seeking, oftentimes after that, and the blessings start pouring in, they start to get prideful and forget God. And then that's where the problems really come in. And I think that again, as adults, we can look at how are we, you know, are, are we trying to stay humble? And that's so hard, right? Like that's one of the hardest things is to always have humility in mind and in our focus, but I don't know where I'm going with this. No, I agree. Well, I mean, it's just basically the pride cycle and that's how we get sucked into it to where it's like we can be humbled. And the funny thing is like, I went into elementary school and I was like the bully and had these attitudes and beliefs of like, you know, I'm tough, I'm cool and whatever. And then I got into middle school and it all came back on me. Um, and so talk about being humbled. Then suddenly all the kids are twice my size in the ninth grade class and, you know, trying to, you know, talk back to these kids and, you know, be my, by my elementary self, I got myself into a lot of tough situations and, and then became the object of bullying. And I just flat out got bullied and punked. Um, and it all came back on me. Um, and so, but, you know, maintaining humility and, and really maintaining a balance in life is, is I think so much of what we do in the church and so much what we can do daily in like prayer and reading scriptures is to maintain that humility and understanding of like, Hey, we're all more alike than we all are different as children of God. Yeah. Can I ask you kind of a vulnerable question? Go ahead. This is a vulnerable topic in general for yeah, me, is. but but I mean, go ahead. I'll, I'll yeah, just start off. So I think a lot of times kids too who are bullies have a lot going on at home. Sure. And when I think about, when I hear about someone doing something that's really awful to someone or they have a lot of anger or whatever, oftentimes I think, What's going on at home? What's going on behind the scenes that, uh, that yeah. people can't see? And when you've talked to me about some of the really, really challenging things that happened to you, um, where, you know, your brother Steve died or some of the other chaotic things that happened leading up to his death, um, you know, you've expressed how that was a time where you would kind of hold it in and then at school it would come out and, can you talk to me about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And, and, and looking at it like growing up, I, that's, that's what I thought was normal. Mm-hmm. Like there was just chaos in my house. Like there was a lot of things going on to where like, you know, my brother was struggling, going through a lot with, you know, friends and with, um, you know, with drugs and different things and, uh, you know, problems with the law and all these things. And, and it just was like, there was some type of an situation or incident, like almost at least monthly, if not like a few times a month, there was just some blow up or some situation that, that, you know, was just crazy. And, and that was just growing up, there was just chaos surrounding, you know, a lot of my early childhood with, you know, different challenges that people and my brothers were facing in their lives. And so that just, 
I think, you know, potentially could have contributed to a lot of that and, and maybe, you know, had, had definitely, I don't want to say maybe it definitely had an impact on me, especially after losing my brother. I think that calmed me down a little bit. Um, I think after that happened, I think I mellowed and wasn't so aggressive. Like, I think it had more of a mellowing effect on me in some ways you're smiling because well, I'm just wondering <laughs> I though, got very if angry we can, in other if, ways. Well, if we can just have like a really candid conversation, I remember your mom telling me that that was part of how you dealt with grief was, you know, kind of being angry and at school and whatever, right after Steve died. Yeah, no, I think so. And then, and that was reflective. I think in the, like, there was definitely a change in like the clothing that I was wearing. I looked mm -hmm. like a lot more, uh, like a lot more edgy, like I had like the longer hair that was kind of dyed and listened to, you know, wore some dark clothes and listened to these, you know, rock bands and, and I think that just had an attitude a little bit more of, I don't know, just, just kind of anger in general. Or like when we watched, um, we bought a zoo and the kid was sketching these really dark looking things and you were like, oh yeah, I totally did that, you yeah. know, as a teenager. And I'm looking at Neil going, you really? Because this is just like innocent me. I'm, I'm thinking back to that age and I was like playing the piano and liked pretty clothes and, um, it, that's just so another realm for me that yeah, I it doesn't didn't compute. live in. And I think like now people who know me and I'll say like maybe a band that I used to listen to and they're like, whoa, like you used to listen to that? <laughs> like, holy cow. I'm like, yeah, I was just a little in a different spot. Well, and so from my experience being married to you and being in a relationship for now 11 years, I when Neil would tell me that he was a bully, I did not believe him for years. I was thinking, wow, that's so hard to picture, but okay. And then when I watched you go through grief, when Dave passed away, I kind of understood because I could see that anger that would just like bubble up and that you, it was hard for you to hold it in and know where to put it and know how to deal with it. And I think that uh, obviously you dealt with it in a lot better ways, but you know, that was a rocky, that first year it was hard and I had to learn to deal with how to show you love and, and try to show compassion and understanding while you were going through something that I just didn't understand. And I had never seen that side of Neil. And when he did go through that, I was like, Oh, this now, okay. Now I can kind of see how you would have been a bully as a kid, because at your, like your best effort as an adult, it was still coming out sideways sometimes yeah. at me or the kids or whatever. And I'm like, okay, as an immature young kid, I can totally see how this would have come out in like a bully kind of way. Absolutely. So if someone is listening to this and they're feeling like my kid's being bullied or maybe they're being bullied or they want to know how to help or what to do, what are, what are some helpful tips for anyone who's experiencing that? Yeah. Well, I, I saw, I did think it was good from this article, uh, from this BYU professor, um, psychologist, Jonathan Cox. So, and we'll link to this again, we'll link to this in the, in the show notes, but um, he says, if your child is being bullied or sees someone else being bullied, help him or her take effective, assertive action. Although common recommendations include ignoring the bullying, turning bullying behavior into a joke or reacting aggressively, these responses are actually often ineffective and dangerous. Instead, teach your child too, and I think this is really good, um, look the bully in the eye, tell the bully calmly and firmly that his or her actions are bullying. Um, call it out basically. This is bullying and it's not okay. 
ask the bully to stop doing it or saying, I need you to stop. If the bullying continues, repeat the same message and tell the bully that an adult authority figure will be informed. For example, I will tell the teacher what you're doing. So getting an an adult involved. And then he goes on to say, if the bullying still doesn't stop after the above steps, you or your child should inform an authority figure about the situation and continue speaking up until your child or any others being bullied have gotten the help they need. The authority figure involved first should be the one closest to the situation, a school or church leader, recess monitor, parent, etc. If the bullying continues, you and your child should seek out the authority figure just higher than the last. You may need to continue going up the chain of authority until the bullying stops. So you kind of keep working your way up until you get someone who will, will take charge and, um, and correct the situation. Yeah, and I was super grateful at Annabelle's last school. The administration there handled one situation so well. They were super on top of it. Um, The principal there, I was just very, very impressed by how how helpful and um, they were very communicative with us as parents, and they just knew exactly what to do. So I think that for us as parents, the one situation we've had, we had a really good experience with having help from professionals who are trained and know how to do this and, and how to help the kids to regulate their feelings and what's going on and how to make sure it never happens again. And one other situation too, that I just thought of when I was in high school, there was a kid who was trying to sexually harass me. And I went to the teacher and told him, and I don't know what that teacher said to that kid, but he never bothered me again. And I will, I, um, coach, Phil from Bountiful High School. I'll just always love him for that. Thanks, because, Coach Phil. Yeah, he he just stepped right in and took care of it. So, so talk to me now. I guess having been through a pretty significant grief period, and of course there are kids out there who are going through abuse or through other, you know, X Y Z, really really tough things at home. How, as a more mature adult now, who's been through the twelve steps, who has just a greater understanding of how life works. How did you deal with that this second time around going through a really traumatic event and knowing how to channel that energy and channel your feelings? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And for, I'm not like a expert in any way, shape or form. All I can speak to is my own experience and, you know, different abuse and different situations is, is it's going to be different for everybody. But for, for myself, um, I think comparing the two, so like having a brother that died when I was 12 versus having a brother that died when I was, you know, 37 is a very different experience. I think so. The main difference is, is understanding more about like the gospel, more about God and his plan and having had experiences to build faith and then um, learning to really trust God. And, yeah. and having had experiences to where like feeling, you know, taking actions and seeing that come into my life. So having that type of a platform, I, I don't want to say it was easier because it was still hard. Even knowing all that stuff, it was still a struggle and a battle. But I think what I did was different. The main thing that that I did that was different was bringing the inside out. And I knew this kind of just experiences that I'd have in recovery mm-hmm. is talking like almost to a point of like 
being making people uncomfortable. Like people would ask me like, Hey man, like, how are you doing? And I would tell them, I'm just like, I'm not feeling good. Like I am really struggling right now. Like, I don't think my life is ever going to be the same. Yeah. I remember saying that to somebody in my, you know, somebody just casually, I ran into him at this restaurant right when I got home from after my brother's funeral. And he was just, he was serious. He's like, Hey, like, how are you doing? You know, but I, but I think I talked to him for like five minutes and just vented about like all the things that had happened. And I think it, it out, yeah. I think it took him off like a little bit by surprise. And then same thing at church, people would ask me and I'd sit and talk to him for like 15 minutes about, yeah, this is going on. This is how I feel about it. Um, but I just learned that from before because when I was 12 and that happened, mm-hmm. um, I didn't really talk about it. I just turned inside. And as a result, I didn't understand um, about what I was, you know, I, I didn't, wasn't able to process it. And then I wasn't able to process it with somebody else who maybe had some answers for me or could support me in a certain way or help me to, um, you know, put the pieces together a little bit better. It was just my own little 12 year old mind trying to process, you know, why my brother committed suicide, why this happened and what led up to that and what my interpretation of that was. And you, you just, you don't get into a good spot yeah. trying to process that yourself. So if I'm hearing what you're saying, if you have a connection to a child, whether that's your own child or someone you love, a niece or a nephew or a neighbor or someone that maybe you're a church leader um, for or anything like that, if you know a kid is struggling, just giving them that opportunity to talk and get their feelings out and process things is one of the best ways you're saying? Well, for, for to, me, yeah. yeah, it's different for everybody because everyone grieves differently. Some yeah. people are like, dude, I just don't want to talk about it. And and that's kind of how it, I think it can be. But giving the opportunity. Giving them the opportunity yeah. to, to talk about it is good. And it's one of those contrary action things that I had knew I had to do this time was like I needed to bring the inside out. But more importantly and most importantly, it's the eternal perspective, um, knowing that, there is a God. He has a plan for us and that there is a reason for the things happening in my life. And that if I turn to him, that it might not be perfect in the way that I think it should be, but I will be able to get through it and I will be able to find peace and, and I will be able to get there. And so taking a lot of like massive amounts of spiritual action and listening to talks and prayer and praying and, um, going to church and, you know, keeping a spiritual focus like that, that really was the core of, of what the solution was or has been and continues to be the solution for me. Yeah. So I feel like I should tell this story from my junior high days and I just keep, it just keeps coming up for me. So I feel like I should share it. So when I was in seventh grade, which was the first year of middle school for me, when I in Utah, seventh, it was seventh through ninth where I lived. So first year of middle school is rough for everyone. But I remember just trying to figure out who my friends were and who I fit in with. And there were a couple girls in my gym class who I really wanted to be like good friends with. And I was trying to kind of pal around with them. And they would talk about this girl, Mackenzie, that they couldn't stand. And they started kind of talking about her and saying, oh, yeah, she, you know, she's, they would say mean things like she looks so ugly today or Mackenzie's so annoying or we can't stand Mackenzie. And I would always be like, who are you guys talking about? And they would say, oh, don't worry about it. You don't know her. And so one of them wrote into the school newspaper and said, There's this girl, we can't stand her. She thinks she's our friend, but she's really not. And we call her Mackenzie. And what do we do about it? And somehow this school newspaper printed this article 
And these girls cut it out and taped it to my backpack and kind of like told the other girls about it too in the gym class so that when we came back in from gym class one day um, to go change back into our regular clothes, it was taped to my backpack and it said something like you're Mackenzie or maybe it just said Mackenzie. I can't, it's been so many years, but, and it was like something out of a movie where all the other girls were laughing. And I remember running out of the room crying and I was just humiliated and never wanted to go back to school again. And, you know, my mom was like, no, you have to face this and go back to school. And the gym teacher had the two girls meet with me and apologize to me. Um, but I always, I, I mean, I'm 36 years old and I still struggle with sometimes feeling like, are my friends really my friends behind my back? That's still a thing it that does I come up. I see that. Yeah. yeah. It's still a thing that I struggle with. And I guess what I, why I'm sharing this is that, um, you know, I kind of have two options here and, and the girls apologized a long time ago. And I have to honestly say too, from that day on, they were never mean to me again. So I feel like from that experience, I really, I can choose a victim mentality of, oh my gosh, these girls did this to me. It was so awful. And I'm, you know, gonna, it's, it'll affect me negatively for the rest of my life. Or what can I learn from that? What can I teach my children? Not only by word, but by example of, you know, not talking behind anyone's back or saying, oh, this so-and-so, like they want to be my friend, but I don't want to be their friend or something, you know, just like, I think that's so important that your kids really are super aware of what you're saying behind others' backs and, um, and that it kind of shows them what's okay and what's not okay. And, and trying so hard for me, like I'm, I just, I, I am not perfect at it, but trying so hard to have a Christ-like attitude of how can I be kind to everyone? How can I treat others the way that the savior would also want to be my friend and also want to have my company? Like, would he, would I be embarrassed at all to have him around when I'm talking about others? Would I be embarrassed ever if he were to listen in to my conversations with Neil or with other girlfriends about other people in my community or other friends in certain circle, you know, in groups or whatever. And I mean, just the other day I was speaking really openly to someone on Marco Polo, one of my good friends. And I said something and then it just bothered me the rest of the night. I was like, man, I, it kind of just came out as I was venting about some thoughts that I was having about a certain situation. And it just kept, it was like just festering. It was bugging me that I, I was like, maybe that was kind of out of line. So I hopped right back onto Marco Polo and I said, Hey, you know what? I shouldn't have said that that way. And I should have had this person's back better. And I apologize for that. And, um, it was just kind of coming off the cuff and I, I should have been better and I'm sorry. So I think that that traumatic situation can be taken and used any way that I choose to. And, and also our kids are going to go out and they're going to have experiences, whether they be, they're going to be either the Mackenzie girl who gets targeted, or they're going to be maybe a little more like you and want to be popular. And at some point bully other kids, like they're going to have experiences with bullying, either being bullied or being the bully. And I can't, you and I cannot control what our kids do once they leave our home, but we can control the example we show them. We can control how much we teach them and how, 
how well we back up those teachings by example. Totally. I mean, and that's really the first line of, you know, defense that I think of is just in our own conversations, but you know, that's hard. I catch myself all the time. And luckily Corinne's really good about calling me out on that. She's like, Neil, like you, you, you don't, you, do you realize, you know, you, you know, you got to watch yourself and watch what you're in. Like, let's redirect it. And I think that there's some accountability there. That's really helpful for Just me. sometimes he's like, Oh my gosh. Like when we're driving, like this person's going to sneak my spot. I'm like, Neil, there, they a need a, a parking spot just as much as we do. Situation guy. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, but it can, it can apply in lots of different situations where I think it is helpful to have someone who can lovingly remind you like, Hey, you know, our, our goal here is to be Christ-like people and, and yeah, let's bring it back around. Totally. And, and he does the same for me too. And he'll such a good example of not speaking poorly of others. Um, not and to say that I am in any way, shape or form, like a shining example of that. No, you but. are, you are, you're a, you're a very good example of that. And I think we have lots of other people who in our lives who we just, I feel so comfortable with them because I know that whether I'm in the room with them or not, they're always going to have my back. And that's who I really want to be. And I'm not perfect with that person every time and I have work to do, but I, I'm trying really hard for that. I'm going to share one last thing from our most recent general conference. And this is Sharon Eubank. And she shared this quotation that she, she actually was quoting her relief society president. And I loved this. And a lot of other people did too on Instagram, um, who commented. So this is what she says. The thing I promise you is that I will keep your name safe. I will see you for who you are at your best. I will never say anything about you that is unkind, that is not going to lift you. I ask you to do the same for me because I am terrified, frankly, of letting you down. And, you know, we're all, we're all imperfect. We're all trying our best and, and we all could be better. But I think that, you know, hopefully after discussing some of these things today that we can, just think back on times that we were treated unkindly and maybe times that we've treated others unkindly and make amends where we can and do better where we can and teach by example where we can. Totally. Um, I think just closing thoughts for myself. Um, yeah, I think just kind of taking a selfish opportunity. If there's anybody, if you found this and you went to the same elementary school that I went to and you had a negative experience with me and I was, you know, if I bullied you in any way, shape or form, um, I want to formally apologize and just say that I, there are still a few people that I think about and that I still pray for. That's one of the things that I, that I'm doing as part of my step nine is to pray for certain people that I know that I, you know, was, was unkind to, and that I still, you know, when their, when their names pop into my mind or when I think about some of those situations, I still pray for certain people, um, and, and hope for all of the good things that I would want for myself. Um, I pray that they can get those things in their life. And that's just something that helps me to make a, you know, a, a living amends. So just some thoughts that I had on that. Thanks, Neil. Thanks everybody too, for hanging out with us and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.